This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500 500. Five, four, three, two, one. But who's counting, right? And his name is Major. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Major Garrett from the nation's capital. Major, fantastic. It's the takeout. This is a major achievement. With CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent... Major Garrett. Yes, CBS. Yes, hi. Major Garrett. Major, that's nonsense. And you should know better. Is Major out of the doghouse? (laughs) The answer is yes. Welcome to the very best part of my broadcast week, and welcome to your Thanksgiving week. I'm Major Garrett. We are in Juniors, and Times Square is actually where we are. And I know Juniors has this kind of rep. It's a touristy place. I don't care. I love Juniors. When I'm in New York City, typically I stay at the hotel right across the street because it's convenient for where I do my work in New York, and Junior's is my go-to place, and I love it. Thanks to Alan Rosen, the owner, for his hospitality. For those of you who are accustomed to this show, and believe me, I thank all of you in our loyal audience, whether it's on CBS News streaming, podcast platforms, or great radio stations around the country, including Sirius XM, POTUS 124. You know what we do on Thanksgiving week? We lighten it up. No more politics and policy. We either do one or two things, food... Or football. Well, this week it's football, and I can't have a better guest. Actually, I've been jonesing for this episode. We've been trying to work it out for the better part of a year. Nate Burleson, my colleague at CBS News, one of the hardest-working people in our industry. He's a Nickelodeon. He's got NFL Today. He's got CBS Mornings. He's got a fashion line. He's got an investment (laughs) firm. He's a husband, a father, all-around great guy. Nate Burleson, thanks for hanging out. Major Garrett, I appreciate you, baby. And just so you know, for those of you who are watching, you can catch this. But those who are listening, I want you to know what Nate Burleson's morning meal is. Mimosa, <laughs> That's right. grits, and sausage. And I love the way you roll, my brother. We're going to start this thing off right, exactly. right? This is Thanksgiving week. We are celebrating life, family, football, right. and some fun. Exactly. So I wanted to make sure that I'm in the right mood. And mimosas, they always get me in the right mood. Exactly. And, of course, this is not only American football week, Thanksgiving week. It's World Football Week. You know, the world would say the real football. Yeah, football. We call it soccer. Right. But the World Cup is going on, so all the best to Team USA. That's right. That's right. So, Nate, uh, I want to talk a little bit about your NFL. I want to talk a lot about your NFL (laughs) career, but before we get to that, I'm not sure everyone knows, where were you born? And give us the early story of Nate Burleson and this, as I read, tight-knit, heavily athletic family. For sure. Um, I was born in Calgary, Alberta. Canada. Um, My mom and dad had four boys. I was the only one born outside of the country. Um, My dad, after going to the University of Washington, I'm having a short stint in the NFL, USFL for the LA Express. He ended up playing nine years in the CFL for the Calgary Stampeders. Um, And my mom was visiting him. I came out early. She wasn't expecting me to. Um, So I ended up um, being born in Canada, but then raised in Seattle. So you know, I, I tell the story 
um, that I'm proud to be born in Canada because it, it kind of set the tone for my life. The reason I was born there is because my dad was playing football. The reason mm -hmm. that I chased football as a goal was because of my father. So um, just trying to em emulate him put me in a position where, you know, I was a student athlete, scholarship offers were flying in for track, basketball, and football. And I picked football, and it opened up doors really for the rest of my life. And your brothers are all athletes too. Yeah, yeah. Listen, my, my oldest brother, he played at the University of Washington as well. Um, he's Alvin, Alvin the second, And then Kevin Burleson played at the University of Minnesota basketball, Golden Gophers. It's funny because when I got drafted by the Minnesota Vikings in 03, he was graduating from the University of Minnesota. So we were there at the same time, crossing paths. Um, he ended up playing for the Bobcats, played overseas in Heidelberg, Germany, among other places, came back as a coach. He spent the last few years with the Houston Rockets, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and now he just started as a head coach for the Houston G League's team, um, the, the Vipers. So he's on this coaching journey. And then my little brother played at the University of Nevada, basketball so we went football basketball football basketball and that's just my side of the family my wife she um, graduated with her masters uh, former collegiate hurdle champion indoors her brother six seven shooting guard was Arizona State basketball player of the year um, he's six seven and her dad's six four so we have this uh, this mix of genetics yes. firing off yeah no doubt uh, athletically but at the very base of it a family that is based around academics. You know, we've always thought to ourselves, be thankful that we're blessed genetically, but you have to ride the academic wave as long and as far as you can. Uh, but when you, when you catch both of them at the same time, yep. it's like lightning in a bottle. So as I understand it, you and your brother Kevin are an answer to a trivia question. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Who is the most recent brother combo in the NBA and the NFL? At the same time. At the yeah, same he time. was with the Bobcats and I was with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, we've been talking trash ever since, you know, because I claim to be a basketball player. You know, every, listen, you meet any NFL athlete and ask them if they could have played another sport. Ten times out of ten, they'll be like, oh, yeah, man, I was one hell of a shooting guard. Or, you know what, I, I, I was a great pitcher. You know, you know, listen, I could have been, you know, one hell of a golfer. It just so happened I was great at football. Mm -hmm. So um, NFL players, we all claim to be something else. Um, and I'll, I'll continue to tell everybody that. I would have been a great NBA point guard. <laughs> what is the biggest difference between elite college football and the NFL? You know, that's a great, great question. Um, my last year of college football. University I, of Nevada. At University of Nevada. It was my third year. I was a junior. And it seemed like everything was happening the way I wanted it to. Now, it's easy for me to say that. Let me explain, you know, because we have a little time. And I want to break this down for mm -hmm kids out there even young adults that might be listening it wasn't by chance I feel like I was blessed um, first and foremost I was thankful that um, I had an opportunity to go to college and play football and be a scholarship athlete but going into that last year picture this I had around 50 catches in my first year 50 catches my second year decent seasons but then my last year I said I'm gonna give my best I'm gonna give myself the best chance to be successful I'm going to work harder than any other athlete on the team so I would do training with my team and then I would go train um, with uh, another coach with specific training, speed, vertical, agility, all of these different drills that I wanted to add on. It's like I was just depositing money into the bank. And then game day is where I would take out my withdrawals. So that was one thing that separated me from my peers. Another thing that I did, like I said, I was raised in a Christian home and I never claimed to be perfect, but I would say the closest I've ever been to being as disciplined in my walk was my junior year. Um, my wife or girlfriend at the time, you know, we were uh, dating and like any other college athletes, you know, we were hanging out, kicking it at night. Um, I decided along with her, you know what, let's try to be abstinent. Let's, mm -hmm. not, let's not hang out with each other and tempt each other late at night. So mm -hmm. around 11 p.m., we would leave each other's homes and, and try to remain that purity. And that mm -hmm. was the key word. And I want to continue to drill that to everybody's minds that's listening. I didn't drink, mm -hmm. didn't smoke, mm -hmm. didn't indulge in all these things that, quote, unquote, college kids wanted right. to. Right. Um, and maybe some things that I've done before, mm -hmm. hanging out on the weekend, partying, having a beer or two. I just said, I'm going to be as pure as possible. Um, I also, I got rid of every piece of music, um, every VHS tape. DVD that 
was negative or had curse words in it. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to listen to things that were edifying to my soul. Um, so all of these things, it literally made me the purest version of myself. So when I was in the classroom, I could download information. I had the best grades. On the football field, I would go from watching film to feeling like Neo in the Matrix on game day. So I say all that to give you what happened that last year. My junior season, it was like a blur. I had 138 catches, right. not in my career, in that season. And people say, oh, man, you were amazing. It wasn't me. It was divine intervention along with all these things that I put in place to give myself the best focus. Um, there were games where I would get through, pick my head up, and my teammates would be like, bro, you, you know you just caught 19 catches. And I'm like, what? Yeah, you just broke a conference. You caught the ball 19 times. We threw it to you 21 times. Two of the balls were uncatchable. Everything that touched your hand, you caught you it. Caught. And uh, I ended that season four catches away from breaking the NCAA all-time record. Um, and that was because I was as pure as I've ever been. So that was my college, like, that, that was like my, my riding off into the sunset. I could have came back for my senior year. We had a young quarterback coming back, and these agents were knocking at my door saying, it's either now or never. You'll get drafted. It's up to you what you do from there. So I'm setting that up for a couple of reasons. One, if you're out there and you're trying to figure out a way to, to break through, if you're trying to figure out a way to get the best version of yourself, try to be as pure as possible, remove the junk, and then see how you can dominate in the space you're in. But once I got to the NFL, I realized it was a lot harder than college was. We're going to get to that part of the answer in just a second, but that's a beautiful, beautiful summary of this process that Nate Burleson went through. He's our special guest. Happy Thanksgiving week. I'm Major Garrett. We're juniors in the Times Square. Back for segment two in just a second. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back to The Takeout. Nate Burleson is with us. We're at Juniors in Times Square. Happy Thanksgiving week. I know basically from, you know, August until February, every week is football week in America, but some are more football weekish than others. I think yeah. Thanksgiving week is like the meta yep. football week. Uh, let me run down some statistics. Nate Burleson's NFL career. Ten years in the league. The league. 135 games. 457 receptions, 750 targets, 5,630 yards, average per catch, 12 yards, 0.3, 12.3 yards, 39 TDs, 8 fumbles, 7 lost. Yeah, yeah. So, when people look at high-level championship Division One college football, then they look at the NFL, what is the biggest difference? What is in that gap? And what accounts for that gap? It's all mental. All mental. You know, oftentimes you hear rookies say, man, the game is so much faster. Faster. Speed. Yeah, speed of the game. Mm-hmm. The guys are so much bigger and stronger. The last two things are true. Mm-hmm. Guys are bigger. They are stronger. These are grown men right. um, that have mastered their skills. But the game itself isn't faster. It's the same game that you've been playing since you were nine years old. The difference is your mind is moving slower. So the first time you step on the field, you realize that you're thinking more than you ever thought before. The reason I had success in college and in high school, because there was a point where I knew the game like the back of my hand. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and that happens in any walk of life. You know, I know we'll get to it, but, you know, I transitioned from sports to news. Yep. Those first few weeks, <laughs> TV wasn't different. No. Nope. It's the same old TV I've been doing for the last five years. Mm-hmm. 
but it's the knowledge of the things that I am now talking about more consistent than I have ever been before. Um, once you catch up on that, and once you're uh, more locked in and you do this, this, the studying, the game slows down. You know, I oftentimes I just love the, the movie The Matrix, and there's the moment where, where Neo realizes, like, you know, he is the one, and he starts seeing all of these lines encoding, mm -hmm. and that's how the game slows down for guys that reach that point. Dante Culpepper was my first quarterback in the mm -hmm. NFL playing for the Minnesota Vikings. He had an MVP season my second year. Three out of the first five games, he threw for five or more touchdowns. Mm -hmm. those, those numbers are wild. And I remember just being this young guy, and I'm just like at his house. He had another party because he would bring guys together to build chemistry. And I'm just like this little high-pitched kid without a hair on my face. I'm like, hey, Dante. I'm like, hey, how do you feel? You're playing amazing. They're talking about you and the MVP. Obviously, I'm exaggerating, but that's how I felt. I sounded. Um, and Dante's like, yeah, you know, I'm just trying to do my thing. And I'm like, yeah, but you mean, you're playing so amazing, man. Like, what is it like? How do you do it? And he's just like, I feel like, I feel like Neo when he realized he was the one. And I never forgot that. And I mm -hmm. use it often because you can use it in any space. And I was like, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. He said, I don't see players anymore. This is the quarterback that right. sees everything. He has right. the ball in his hand majority of the time. Right. He said, I don't see players anymore. I see X's and O's. Mm -hmm. Think about that. How dope is that? Right. Because when we study film, when we are looking through our playbook, that's how everything is drawn out. It's right. drawn out in X's and O's. Mm -hmm. And coaches hope that how we study it, how we draw it up, that's how it plays out. Oftentimes it doesn't. It's more beautiful chaos than it is a perfect game plan. Mm -hmm. But Dante said he's doing so much film work and his brain – his IQ, football IQ, met his athleticism, and they are both firing off at the same time. And now he just sees X's and O's instead of guys in jerseys. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I need to get to that point. Because without knowing it, I was at that point in college. Mm -hmm. In college, I wasn't paying attention to the corner in front of me. Right. You were merely just an obstacle. Mm -hmm. I know where the ball is going to me, and right. I know where I'm going to the end zone. Right. So the game never got faster once you got in the league. Mm -hmm. It's just that your mind started moving slower. So what do you do as a player to get your mind caught back up with the so-called speed of the game? What do you do? You have to study. Right. You have to study and you have to lose yourself in the monotony of what is the work. You know, we oftentimes talk about greatness, but we don't talk about what it takes to be great. And let's just call it what it is. The, the journey to being great at anything is exhausting. Mm -hmm. People say, hey, man, Nate, you're doing so awesome in TV, man. Look at you. you. You went from sports to entertainment and now news, and you have all of these different shows. And you have these side ventures that you're doing, and it seems like you have your hands in everything. And, and, it, and, it, and it, it is, from the outside looking in, I can assume that life is lovely. And I'm like, sure, in moments it is, mm -hmm. but it's also really tiring. Mm -hmm. It's also really exhausting. There's long days and short mornings. Yep. Um, and if you look at any of the greats in any walk of life, not just sports, there are times when they had to dedicate themselves to being exhausted. And that's what nobody will will agree to. If, if somebody said, I want to be great, and then after that, all right, here's a contract. But what you're going to have to agree to, the, the fine print says you're going to be tired more times than not. Mm -hmm. You're going to be walking around feeling like a zombie. There's times mm -hmm. you're going to have to wake up when the moon is out. And nobody else is up, and you'll come home when the sun is going down. Right. Are and, you willing to do that? And all that spontaneity, you better put that on a shelf. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like something's coming. Hey, I got tickets to this. Uh, no. Right. Answers no. Right. Right. The sacrifice. Answers no. The sacrifice. And, it, and it's hard. It's hard for young people to sacrifice because we get so caught up in, well, you know, the time is now for me to really give myself what I want. Mm -hmm. But like, I heard once, like, do what you have to do now so you can do what you want to do later. Mm -hmm. It's hard for young people to understand. And listen, right. I'm, I'm, I'm. That's a that's a variation of Denzel saying. Right, right. And 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 I am. I do more to, of what I want to do now and less of what I have to do. Earlier in my career, I had to do a lot of what I had to do. You had to do. And he said, I've banked my entire existence in the entertainment industry on doing more of what I want to do. Yeah. Projects that really interest me. Projects right. that fire me up. Right. And maybe I'll do an interview or do a, do a movie where it's more of a box office thing and maybe I'm not as passionate about it, but right. it gives me the flexibility to do what I want to of do. Course, of course, of course. Yeah. And that's it. And, that, and that's where I feel like, you know, the young people that are in the league, 
they realize the sooner you realize that, the sooner you'll see greatness. So you mentioned that purity of your junior year in yeah. college. Yeah. Was that a one-time thing? Or do you did you carry that at least in some dimension forward and do you still have it today? I still have it. Um, but it, it's it's that one moment in my life where I can reference mm -hmm. and look back. It's like a it's like a tab in the book of life. Mm -hmm. like, oh, I remember that one chapter. Mm -hmm. Things were working yeah. seamlessly. Yeah. And it seems and like you were intentional about pulling away every distraction. Yes. It was the yes. intention. It was the intention. You know, I went to University of Nevada. Our um, mascot is Wolfpack. And someone once said, while I was in church, you have two wolves inside of you. Mm -hmm. The one you feed the most is the one that's going to win. Yeah. It's the flesh and the spirit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that, that was that season where I tapped into that. And to your question, there's times where you feel like you might be distracted. You might be distracting yourself. Mm -hmm. um, but I can always reference that. Like, Nate, get back to that. Find purity in your life. Mm -hmm. where, where are things that you can, can clean up and allow yourself to be the best? Husband, father, friend, mm -hmm. co-worker, right. um, best media personality you can be. I'm not sure, but I have read a book of Native American wisdom. It may not originate with Native Americans, but that story I is very so. familiar. I think so. You have two wolves inside every person. Yep. One can be growling and intense and quote-unquote evil. One can be good, and the one you feed is the one that will grow and eclipse the other eventually become who you are mm -hmm. and we have to realize that and it's it's fluid right it's not just one moment in your life right. it's our entire lives mm -hmm. like trying to do what is right and do what we think we're good at is a lifelong journey college or nfl when was the most joyous moment of your playing life <laughs> i gotta say the nfl mm -hmm. i mean i'm not gonna front college was fun <laughs> But I was also a struggling college student. We're talking top ramen and hot dogs, baby. Canned goods, you know what I mean? We would fight over the last chicken McNugget. Uh, grown men, by the way. But the NFL was fun because you score a touchdown, there's 60,000, 70,000 people that rise to their feet. Mm -hmm. Another million or so watching at home. Mm -hmm. And the bigger the game, the bigger the fan base. Mm -hmm. It was like being a rock star with football pads on. Mm -hmm. And we just traveled city to city, and the end zone was my stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you got there 39 times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to gather you remember all 39. I do. I remember all 39. And there's a few on there that are punt returns and kickoff returns yes. that, um, that are even more memorable. And we're going to get into that when we come back for segment three because I want to talk about the science of punt returns and Ooh, kickoff returns. Oh, I got something good for you. That's Nate Burleson. We're juniors in Times Square. Happy Thanksgiving week, everyone. I know you dig the takeout year-round, and I thank you for that. I'm Major Gary. We'll see you for segment three in just a second. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back to The Takeout. Junior's is our host restaurant. Many thanks to them here on Times Square. A favorite of mine, it really is. And again, Nate Burleson rolls with, I think, one of the best breakfasts I've ever seen. <laughs> Grits with sugar and butter, mimosa, aces. Oh, yeah, and pork sausage. Awesome. <laughs> so, I mean, we mentioned before we went to break, Nate Burleson was really an important, in his time, 10 years in the league, punt returner. He also returned kickoffs, but the punt return stats are off the grid. 156 punts returned, 1,523 yards, three touchdowns, the longest TD returned 94 yards. What is the science of punt returns? All right, so 
Here's the thing about punt returns. You're not supposed to catch it inside your 10-yard line. Under any circumstance. Under any circumstance because typically you let that ball bounce to the end zone. You get the touchback. You get the ball on the 20. But for me, I love living on the wild side. I'm a little bit of a risk taker, um, which is why for a long time, I don't know if I still have this this record, um, the most punt returns of 90 yards or more. You do. Because guys don't typically return within that um, yardage. All right, but I want people to understand how beautifully chaotic the punt return is. It's a lot different than being a wide receiver and depending on the quarterback to throw me the ball or the coach to call my number. When it's a punt return, I know that ball has to go off of the puncher's foot into my chest. And at that point, it is going to be a free-for-all. You have 11 guys running down like kamikaze pilots. Mm-hmm. Um, full and tilt. Me, full tilt. Yeah, full tilt. And their job is to get the ball out or to hurt you, right? Um, my job is to dodge, duck, dive, dodge, like the movie Dodgeball, and dodge, and then get into the end zone. Okay, but I, I want to break this down slowly. So for those that are watching, you can pay attention. If all you have is the audio, I want you to close your eyes. Now imagine the crowd, loud, cheering. If you're at home, I used to hear chants, Nate, Nate, Nate. If you're on the road, boo, you're a bum, drop it. I'm trying to block out both because all of my focus is on the ball. I'm looking at the gunners. They're mm-hmm. called gunners for a reason because they're the fastest guys and they are gunning to take And they're on down. the wings. And they're on the wings on the outside. You see the snap. The ball goes off of the punter's foot. Boom. And all I hear is the crowd. I'm nervous. I can slowly hear my breath increase and then my heart rate start to rise inside my helmet. I'm looking at the gunners, looking at the ball, looking at the gunners, looking at the ball. I know I'm getting more and more nervous because I start to breathe faster. Ball gets closer to me. I hear a thud to my chest. Boom. And at that moment, I don't hear the crowd. It's like the audio goes out. I know where the gunners are. They are so close to me, I can touch them. Now I have to make them miss. If I make them miss the fast guys, the bigger guys I got a chance to get away from. I make one move, all I hear is grunts. Mm, ah. Cleats hitting the ground. And I'm trying to get away from the obstacles with my eyes on the end zone. There's moments where you're in the midst of a chaos. You remember them cartoons where it's like a scrum and there's, there's dust and there's legs and there's arms? That's what it feels like. But then it's almost like God opens up a window and all I see is a bright light. A lane. I'm not exaggerating. A lane. It's a lane and it's like, ha, ah. ha, And your mind, your mind is like, hit the gap. Shoot the gap. Attack the window. And then you go. By that time, you feel like you're in open space. If you got the punter in front of you, number one rule, never get tackled by the punter because your teammates won't let you hear the last of it. You make him miss. And the wild thing is, you get back in the end zone, audio turns back on. And I am not exaggerating. And all of a sudden, the crowd goes crazy. You're breathing hard. Still trying to play it off like you meant to do everything that they just saw, mm-hmm. knowing that there was a little bit of divine intervention, some luck, and some really good effort in blocking by your teammates. That's why I feel like the punt return is one of the most beautiful, most poetically chaotic plays in all of sports. How do you decide whether or not to fair catch a run? See, there's the idiocracy that lives within Nate Burleson. I hated to fair catch. Mm-hmm. There was something about like the moment uh, <laughs> becoming too Just silent. Didn't feel right. Didn't yeah, feel it's right. like it's like I'm waving my hand and everybody's silent. They're like waiting. Is he gonna catch it? And I felt more comfortable catching and running, knowing I want to make a move versus like catching and securing. Because um, you also got all these guys running up to you real close and they're breathing at you. Their eyes are all bugged out. And they're like, oh! And then you gotta catch the ball and secure it. I'd rather just take my chance of trying to score a touchdown, which is why I had that kind of ridiculous record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to go back to uh, your life in the NFL as a receiver. Uh-huh. So I grew up in San Diego, California. Yeah. Grew up as a Charger fan. Yeah. There's a legendary 
Charger receiver named Lance Allworth. Of course. His career average is still the NFL record, 18.9 yards. It's ridiculous. Per catch. Yeah. That's his average. Ridiculous. Over an entire career. Yeah. Explain to the audience why that's ridiculous. Because, like, just imagine your average being how many yards you get every time you catch the ball. Um, that's almost know, my, 20 yards. Mine's is, you know, just above 12, which means, yeah. you know, I'm averaging a first down. I can move the sticks. Right. We're talking almost 20-yard chunks by Lance um, every time he caught the ball, on average. Yeah. Which means not only was he catching those big shots downfield, but he would take a short pass four to five yards and get upfield and get the yak yards, as we call it, yards after catch. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's unbelievable when you look at stats from guys in that era. Also, that was a different time. Mm-hmm. Like, those defenders were using old school WWF. You, you hear I said WWF, not WWE. This is like uh, yeah. junkyard dog around the chain, clotheslines, right. macho man Randy forearm Savage, shivers. like forearm shivers, yeah. like spearing. All of these rules right. that they have now, it, it wasn't the same back then. No. It was nasty out there. And he had the least aggressive nickname ever in professional football yeah bambi bambi because he he was like he pranced yeah he was he was um he was like a a ballerina mm-hmm. out there um and, and it helps yep. when you're light on your feet at the wide receiver position when you're catching the ball in the nfl what is the most important part of that is it your feet or your hands <sighs> um it's your hands and your eyes your hands and your eyes yeah because what happens is when you're running a route you get to the top of it and your hands are ready to catch the ball, but your eyes want to look at that defender mm-hmm. who you hear. Right. So now your, your other sense is starting to kick in. Nervousness is starting to set, and your eyes want to just dart over. Just, okay, I knew he was 10 yards away. Let me make sure he's still 7 yards away or 5 yards away. Mm-hmm. And then once your eyes leave the ball, that's when you see wide receivers drop it. And that has to be more prevalent on an interior route than a sideline oh, route. Oh, for sure. Because Explain you got to the those audience what guys. alligator arms are. Oh, man. Alligator arms are the same thing when you're going out with a group of friends and that one broke friend, he act like he's reaching for the check, but he really doesn't. You know, it feels like his, his elbow is attached to his rib cage. So receivers get that exact same motion when they're running across the middle of the field and a linebacker is there. You know, I remember seeing um, Ray Lewis um, and, and – Thinking to myself, all right, I could either catch this and take a hit and possibly risk snot bubbles running down my face, or I can give them the alligator arms and have the embarrassment of Ray talking trash, but then my teammates knowing that I gave up on the play. So I decided to catch the ball and take the hit. You know, that's why I probably had a few surgeries while I played. Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't turning down a big hit because there was a big guy waiting on me. But, yeah, alligator arms happens a lot. And now that I mention it, You'll see it uh, when, you, when, when it happens in the NFL. Injuries are inseparable from the NFL game. Right, right. Correct? I've had a bunch. I've, I've had ACL, PCL, MCL, broken leg, torn thumb, broken finger, broken ribs, broken nose, two separated shoulders. Of course, I've had concussions, fractures in my ankle. Um, all, of that, all of that in the NFL? All of that in the NFL. I think one separated shoulder was in college for the most part. All of that in the NFL. So 90% of the injuries you just described happened in your time, your 10 years in the league. Most, most definitely. And I didn't know they were as bad until I retired. Until you retired and you found out. And I had to go to a doctor who wasn't attached by the NFL to really give me the full detail of my injuries. That is the voice of Nate Burleson. We are at Juniors in Times Square. What a great conversation this is. Happy Thanksgiving week. Happy football week. Back for segment four in just one second. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back. So great to have you with us. Happy Thanksgiving week. Nate Burleson is with us. So great to hang out with him. I once was lucky enough, Nate, to have dinner with a gentleman named Willie Lanier. Of course, yeah. And he said he focused in his career on his availability, avoiding injury at all costs. Mm. He said it's not always possible, but he gave me an example. He said one time I was in a playoff game and I intercepted the ball and I ran straight out of bounds. I did not run into four people to get four extra yards. Yeah. I said, well, why? He said, because that four extra yards might have risked my availability. Of course. And he said, let me tell you something. In the league, your viability is your availability. That's right. Period. You're right. If you if you are not available, you are not viable. Yeah. Which means your economic future and your entire status in the league is jeopardized. Spot on. Spot true. on. True. It, it's true. You know, um, when I played, I and, came and in I thought and, listening to him like, "What are you, Willie? No one's going to take your spot." He said, "No, everyone can take your spot. Everyone, especially if you're injured." Mm-hmm. You know, when I played. I came in on the tail end of a, I guess, decently tough era. This is 03. You know, the rules were a little looser for defenders, so there were still big hits. Mm-hmm. Um, they still had segments like, you got jacked up. You <laughs> can't do it anymore. <laughs> Which they still should. I liked it. Yeah. Listen, I used to take big hits, get up and dap the guy up. Like, yo, that was a nice hit. Right. Um, and I used to take big hits, like, after I broke my ribs, and I would play it off. You know, and the guy's like, yeah, Nate, I know you felt that. And I'm like... No, I did it. And I go to the sideline, and they're like, yep, you, you broke your rib. That's for sure. Mm. And I would ask the, the trainers, well, can I break it anymore? No? All right. Well, give me a rib protector. I'm going back in. Um, I, 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 I walk that line. Those conversations happen. Those conversations happen. But for me, um, if, if, I look, if I were to, like, give advice to young Nate, I wouldn't fight for as many extra yards. I wouldn't decide to take on the guy who's 50 pounds heavier because – it made me seem tough, or I was fighting for a yard that didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's the Super Bowl and there's zero seconds left and i got to dive over a pile right. and take the shot of my life, I'll do it. But I'm in the preseason trying to run over four or five guys. Right. I'm getting hit from all angles. I remember one time I'm sitting there fighting for an extra yard. The cornerback is holding me up, and I see this linebacker, and he is just hauling it from the middle of the field and I'm sitting here looking at the yard marker I'm like all right let me fight for extra yards that way we can move the sticks and I'll get the first down Uh, uh." and he's like a freight train I can see it in his eyes and there's nothing better for a linebacker to hit a little guy because we shake him all game long so it's like finally it's you know it's like it's like when when Tom the cat finally catches Jerry you know right right. so he was just running looking at me licking his chops and I could have just slid down Mm -hmm. and he he had the he's up but I stayed up, and I went to take the hit. He hits me. Boom, lights out. But I was in the pile of a guy that was holding me, so nobody realized that I just had a concussion and my lights went out. And the guy that was holding me up, he probably was thinking that I felt like a baby in his arms because I went limp for a second, and I woke back up. I walked to the sideline, and I was thinking to myself, why did I take that hit? Mm. It was so unnecessary. But I did that time and time again. Now, sometimes it was worth it. Yep. Sometimes I ran over a guy, mm-hmm. and the crowd got hyped. Yep. My team got juiced up. We got the momentum. Yep. They high-fived me on the sideline, and it looks great on my highlight. But if I could do it all again, I wouldn't because there's a ton of surgeries and procedures that I had that were a direct result of my, quote-unquote, toughness on the field. Mm-hmm. We've had Demora Smith uh – Executive yeah. Director of the NFLPA on this program. Yeah. We've had Eric Winston, uh, who's president of the NFLPA. And we've talked about this before, but I want you to personalize it for my audience. This concept of being on the roster, being on the 53-man, what yeah. that means in terms of one year in the league yeah. or when you get to that magic that three and number. a half. Yeah, that three and a half, four-year mark is when you know that um, you will start to get the kickback of being in the league. You're, you get that retirement plan. Um, and I, I will healthcare. say this, the health care, the, the – the NFL does a great job when it comes to 401k, the retirement funds in place. Um, now, I know they've, they've done better since I got in, um, but once you hit that magic number, now you're somewhat comfortable. i got to be honest. When I first got drafted, I was a third rounder out of Nevada. and Of course, every kid dreamed of being in the NFL, but you, I wasn't the guy that was blessed enough to be the superstar everywhere I went. 
So it wasn't one of those things that I talked about every single day. Um, so I assumed that I'd be out um, within two and a half, three years because that was the average at the time. Mm -hmm. Which is why when people ask me what were your interests while you were playing, I say, well, I owned a restaurant and I started an investment firm and clothing lines and I was writing poetry and scripts and you know I was uh, dibble dabbling in um, media, sports, local news. Why were you doing all of those things? Because I thought that the light of the end of the tunnel was much brighter than it actually was. Mm -hmm. I got past that two and a half, three year mark, and I was like, oh, wow, it's year four, year five. Mm -hmm. And I got to 10 and 11. And that's when I realized the benefit of being on the 53-man roster mm -hmm. every year for 11 years. And then still getting my mail today and being able to show my kids my health care plan, like my retirement funds, plural, mm -hmm. um, and what I was able to invest in my 401k while the NFL matched it throughout my career. Like it was, it's, it's the bigger reason of why you want to make that roster and last. And I tell guys that all the time, look, it's great to be the superstar, but make sure you take care of your money and you're on top of your retirement fund. Mm -hmm. um, so that way, when you're done playing, you can look forward to these ladders of income as you retire. And so many players live the next man up life no doubt your second year was breakout because you were the next man up behind randy moss randy moss hamstring one of the greatest receivers of that era one of the greatest receivers of that era i remember him tearing his hamstring and them saying he's going to be out maybe four to six weeks for some reason i didn't think he would be out because he was such a superstar because he was randy moss because he's randy moss he was like a superhero to me and you know they're saying hey, all right nate you know it's going to be on you second year player we're going to feed you a little bit more and I'm nervously shaking my head, yes, yes. I remember being in the weight room, me and Randy crossing paths. He looks at me, he said, hey, yo, Dummyson. He called me Dummyson because my rookie year over the summer, I made a lot of mistakes. And sidebar, he said, hey, Dummyson, get in the playbook. So that was my nickname for a long time. So he catches me in the weight room. He says, uh, hey, Dummyson. I'm like, what's up, man? He's like, look, I'll be out about a month or so. Take advantage. That's what this game is all about. Catch as many balls as you can in the time that I am out. Because when I get back, damn near every ball is coming to me. And I, I looked at him. I nodded my head. I thought about it for a second. And I was like, well, I got a window of time to get my rocks off. Right. And I sure did. I became one of Dante Culpepper's favorite targets. And that was the season I put up 1,000 yards. Mm -hmm. And when he came back, now I wasn't just a guy. I was the Robin to his Batman. Right. Two quick questions before we have to wrap yeah. up this part of it. How important is the precision of the route run, oh, and what difference have gloves made for receivers? Well, the precision of the routes is important, and every route has to look the same for the first 10 yards. That's why the great receivers are great. You look at Jerry Rice, looks like he's running one route before he breaks in a million different ways. So you have to be finite in all of your movement. You have to be crisp in and out of your breaks, and you have to minimize all the tail signs. It's like poker. You can't give any tails to a good DB because they know when you're going to stop and they'll jump all over you. The gloves, oh, man, it's like, it's like stick them back in the day. Remember when they, they told the guys they couldn't have the sticky stuff on their hands right. and they're just grabbing everything like Spider-Man? Gloves are very similar to that. It's like patent leather on your hands. The only thing is when it gets wet, that's when the real hands show up because you can't use that patent leather in the rain. And gloves cannot make up for bad hands. You're right about that. That's Nate Burleson. What a great, great, great thrill and pleasure it's been for me. For those of you in our radio audience, happy Thanksgiving week. We need to say farewell. For those of you on our podcast platforms and on CBS News streaming, you are going to want to stay around for the Takeout Outtake Especial. I'm Major Gary. We'll see you next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. 
From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome to your Takeout Outtake Especial, and this is an Especial on top of an Especial for me, <laughs> I'm telling you. Nate Burleson, it's such a great hang. It's such a great conversation. I love being with you. I, I love learning you. from you. Um, a little bit more football, then we're going to get into our threshold questions. But on football, what is, for the casual or even the above casual fan, the science of a fumble? Is that a a failure on the part of an offensive player, or is that a tactical success for a defensive player? It's a tactical success for the defensive player. Um, it's more genius for a defender to come in and not just wrap you up and get the tackle, but use his offhand to either rip, punch, or just simply strike the ball out. Mm. Um, what happens is when an offensive player becomes a runner, we're distracted by all of these things. The defender who's in front of us, the journey to the end zone, the chaos of the crowd. It could be the weather. It could be cold. Where the sideline is. Sideline. Yardage markers. Factors. Defenders know when a guy is focused on any of these external factors, and they can see a weak point in the ball, um, which is great. You know, even the times where a guy would knock the ball out, I would have to kind of tip my helmet to him, like, "Yeah, that was good," because I wasn't thinking about you. Mm-hmm. And you knew that, and that's how you got the ball out. So when you see a fumble, it's not like, oh, my gosh, the offensive player blew it. More so, give the applause and the credit to the defender who got it out. What's the walk back to the sideline after a fumble? Uh, it's the worst. It is the worst because you got your head down, your shoulders are slumped, and you're just waiting for somebody to tell you it's okay. And if it's at the end of the game, there is no one that can make you feel better. Because even though there's moments in the game where your team could have played better, that one fumble decided it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have uh, our favorite threshold questions. Every okay. guest has okay. answered them for the better part of six years. Okay. Take these in whichever order you prefer and take as long as you want with the answers. Okay. Most influential book in your life and why? All-time favorite movie? And I may give you two answers on that, sports and regular. Okay. Or non-sports. And then... Uh, Nate Burleson is on a long flight or a long drive, and he is going to really get into some music that makes him very happy. What kind of music, artist, or genre is that likely to be? Okay. um, Malcolm Gladwell, Outliers. Why? Why? Because when I read it, it was after my NFL career. Mm -hmm. So it was validation why I saw success in the NFL because at that point I had been playing the game of football since I was nine. So I put in my 10,000 plus hours. Mm-hmm. So I was able to pat myself on the back without being self-serving mm-hmm. um, and, and appreciate the grind, mm-hmm. appreciate the 10,000 plus hours. This was after I found success in my TV career. Mm-hmm. I'd already won an Emmy at this point. And sometimes it's hard to explain to people why you find success in a new chapter. And I don't ever want to take full responsibility of the success that I may have right now at this point in my life. There's so many people that have had hands in Mm -hmm. who I am as a media personality, as a host. Um, But the book, it confirmed. I left the game not as a new guy walking into TV. I left the game as a guy who started my TV journey my rookie year of the NFL. I would fly myself to L.A., work at the NFL Network, not be on camera, rub shoulders with producers, sit behind the scenes. And I had one host, Dan Haley. Um, I appreciate you more than you know. He told me while we were working together, when I was just a player being an analyst, he said, pay attention to what I do as a host. He said, because the moment you learn how to host is the moment individuals like me become non-existent. And when we can't show up, they don't have to scramble to find somebody else that never played the game. Right. They can use you. Right. And from that moment on, I started paying attention to him, reading the prompter, and then I read that book, and I was like, oh, I put in my 10th. I don't have to feel bad about being good on TV. Nope. I put in some 10,000-plus hours. I'm not saying I'm great. I have a lot of learning to do, but I don't have to feel bad about being good. So that's nope. why I love that book. Um, my favorite sports movie? Um, all right, I'll give you my favorite movie and then my favorite sports movie. You know, I, I really love um, comedies. Mm-hmm. And... I thought that Bad Boys with Will Smith and Martin Lawrence is just a classic film. <laughs> Two guys, uh, you know, about friendship mm-hmm. and commitment, yep. um, giving each other crap throughout. Mm-hmm. And it was this introduction of 
who Will Smith and Martin Lawrence could be on the big screen. I love that from a comedic standpoint. Um, in a good action movie. Yep. Uh, it makes me smile every time I watch it. Sports movies, it's a toss-up. For some reason, I just really love The Sandlot. It's yeah. just a, it may, it's a feel-good movie. Come on, man. If you learn how to pickle the beast, Benny the Jet Rodriguez, it's just a great man, film. you're killing me. Yeah, <laughs> smiles, you're, you're killing, killing me. And then, and then you know, they saw, the, they saw the babe. They saw the great Bambino. He saw him in his dreams. He said, yeah. remember, um, heroes get remembered, but legends never die. Like That is just a classic quote. Um, and then Wildcats with Goldie Hawn back in the day. There we go. A very inappropriate sports movie, but and I don't know why I was watching it at that age. <laughs> then A Long Ride Home. Yeah. Music. Music on a road trip, a long ride in the car. I'm putting in Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I love hip-hop, but I love hip, hip-hop that is thought-provoking. Mm-hmm. There's been an evolution of Jay-Z from the young guy talking about how he came out of Marcy Projects, had to sell dope to find his way in life, to now evolving and teaching the young listeners of music about what's important in life. Now he talks about investments and how he wants to embrace his culture and learn more, to, more about who he is and where he's going. And also somebody who can identify with his mistakes, where he was, and where he wants to go in the future. So I love Jay-Z. I, I, I would be listening to Jay-Z. Public service announcement. Allow me to reintroduce myself, my favorite song. Businessman. Yes. I'm, a, I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. Man. Yeah. Nate, my pleasure. Oh, Thanks man. for being Thank here. You. Appreciate you, man. Happy Thanksgiving week, everyone. This has been your Takeout Outtake Especial. We'll see you next week. The Takeout is produced by Arden Fari, Jamie Benson, Sarah Cook, Ellie Watson, Jake Rosen, and Ashley Armstrong. CBSN production by Eric Susanen. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Takeout Podcast. That's at Takeout Podcast. And for more, go to takeoutpodcast.com. The Takeout is a production of CBS News. If you like The Takeout, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. I'm CBS News correspondent Major Garrett, host of the podcast Agent of Betrayal, the double life of Robert Hansen. During the Cold War, FBI agent Robert Hansen traded classified secrets to the Kremlin in exchange for cash and jewels. In the podcast, you'll hear from Hansen's closest friends, family members, victims, and colleagues for the most comprehensive telling of who Robert Hansen really was. Binge the entire series now. Agent of Betrayal, the double life of Robert Hansen is available on the Wondery app, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.